Hello and welcome to another episode of the Breachside Broadcast, home of the finest voxcasting either side of the breach. On today's episode, we continue the story of the Victorias and their band of Ronan as they hunt Titania, the Fairy Queen. The voice of the Masamuni drives Victoria deeper into the forest and urges her to go to greater extremes to achieve her goal. I hope you enjoy the conclusion of Bloodlust, right after this word from our sponsor. This episode of the Breachside Broadcast is brought to you once again by the Ronin of Malifaux. If you need a mercenary army at reasonable prices, simply assemble a band of Ronin. We are freelance mercenaries who swear fealty to no one, but never turn down a contract, no matter how dangerous. The battle raged through the Queen's woods, nearly a stone's throw from the very heart of Titania's domain. For the third time since their entry into the wildlands, the Victorias and their mercenaries clashed with the servants of Titania in full-fledged battle. Their prior fights had prepared them for what was to come, but their preparation only went so far. The tide of Fae and loyal Neverborn crashed against the invading humans. Orders from individual commanders mixed with screams calling for death and mercy that arose from both sides, punctuated by the ring of gunfire. The sides seemed equally matched at the battle's dawn. The mercenaries had technology and discipline, but the Neverborn had greater numbers, ferocity, and the advantage of being in their element. It was a mercy, however small, that the Neverborn relied heavily on close combat tactics. Greater numbers and battlefield familiarity only served the Neverborn so well before hot lead from mercenary guns rained into their front lines. Pistols, rifles, and even a modified cannon brought a final death to dozens of the Fae, before Ronin and other close combat specialists fell upon Malifaux's native monsters. The battle quickly spread throughout the forest. Ronin and Titania's warriors took to one another like bitter rivals, while riflemen and snipers took shots at the most opportune targets. Among the Queen's forces slithered a massive serpent. The chaos of combat allowed the creature to blend into its environment with ease as it hunted for the perfect meal. Through the trees and among the warriors of both sides, it moved until it came upon a man aiming down the sights of his rifle. He had thought himself hidden, thought himself safe among the foliage. His surprise when the serpent wrapped around him pleased the creature, almost as much of the feeling of his bones snapping within its coils. The tides of battle forced many of the mercenaries together and tore them apart in equal measure. One minute a Ronin would be fighting alongside her sisters, and the next she'd find herself supporting one of the riflemen. Bishop and Big Jake fought back to back more often than not, but even they were swept up by the ebb and flow of combat. 
Sue, meanwhile, moved between smaller skirmishes, his pistols belting out a rhythm of hot lead and stinging smoke, lending his aid to whoever needed it most. Only two groups seemed to stick together among the mercenaries. Kaya and her four ronin were bent on staying together. The quartet members were among the most vocal warriors on the field. One would call for help, the others would respond, rushing to their sister's side. The Victorias needed no such tactics. They fought silently at the centre of the mercenary forces, moving with the same grace and single-minded purity that their company had come to expect. The majority of Titania's forces were focused on the pair, either in an attempt to slay the Victorias for their queen, or purely to avoid being cut down in the whirlwind of blades that they became in battle. There was laughter and joy among the death and bloodshed. The twins reveled in the thrill of combat. Every fae struck down by their blades just added to the sound of laughter coming from the pair. One laughed louder than the other, but both clearly enjoyed the slaughter. Until Victoria saw her. Titania moved among the front lines. Her feet never touched the ground, but everywhere she moved there were signs of her presence. Magic, ancient and terrible, woven by the Neverborn Queen into the land, brought it to impossible life. Vines grew wherever Titania's magic soaked into the soil, gnarled, thorny, and possessed with a thirst for the invader's blood. Mercenaries found themselves fighting the Fae as well as the terrain itself, as razor-sharp grass tore through their boots and trousers to shred their legs. Some attempted to take to the trees to avoid the murderous flora on the ground, only to find themselves the victims of grasping branches and crushing bark. Victoria didn't care about the mercenaries anymore. Kill her. The thought filled her mind in a voice that was both hers and not hers. Her heart raced at the prospect. The Masamune shivered in her hands. Kill her. Tear her wings off. Cleave her head from her shoulders. Crush her heart in her hand and bathe in the abomination's blood. Victoria's sister was startled when she took off after the Neverborn Queen with the Masamune Nihonto at the ready. Victoria's increasingly erratic behaviour had come to a head. Even if she had expected it on some level, seeing her twin rush headlong after Titania left her stunned. Victoria was fast, and although the other Victoria's stunned surprise only lasted a second, it was enough for her sister to vanish amidst the fae that surrounded their queen, cutting a bloody path to her target. Recovering, Victoria broke into a sprint, dual blades at the ready. She couldn't see her sister, but she could see the carnage the Masamune wrought among the enemy warriors, and she could feel the other Victoria's presence. In a burst of anger, she brought her swords into the wooden armor of the Neverborn around her. Enchanted or not, the armor provided little protection against the mercenary's fury. It only took a few fey falling beneath her blades before the Neverborn began to give her a wide berth. Fey warriors moved aside as quickly as they could as she ran after her sister, and in her anger she almost didn't notice why. They weren't making room out of pure self-preservation. Without the twin sisters to hold their centre, the mercenary forces were vulnerable to attack. The Neverborn eagerly took advantage of this gap in the enemy line, 
they rushed forward, striking hard and fast. Fey knights charged the now weakened humans, behind a wave of magic that turned the ground into a twisting, rolling mass of twisting roots and razor grass. Victoria weighed her options. She couldn't leave her sister to face Titania alone, but the Fey were quickly turning the tide against her forces. Then she saw the four Ronin she had given the tome to. A brief hesitation, weighing the cost Killjoy demanded with the danger of battle. One was even using it as a bludgeon against the Fey, her sword having long since snapped in the armor of another. All four still drew breath, even if they looked worse for wear. All four were still together. Victoria made her decision. The spell. Perform the spell, Victoria called to the four, as she twisted one of her blades free of a face throat. She didn't trust the tome spell, and trusted the monster it promised to summon even less, but there was no other choice. She couldn't protect her sister from whatever insanity gripped her mind and fight alongside their mercenaries at the same time. She could see her sister just up ahead. She could see Titania turning to face her. The ever-bleeding eyeless socket still conveyed a sense of malicious amusement. The four Ronin heard Victoria's command over the chaos of battle, as clear as if she'd been right beside them. It was what the four had been waiting for since they'd been given the tome and told to prepare. The battle had taken its toll on each one of them. Two were injured and only standing from sheer force of will and fear of being eaten by the grass, and one had lost her sword. Kaya was exhausted. Every muscle in her body felt like it was on fire. They knew that they couldn't stop fighting or they'd be good as dead. They said nothing to one another when the command came. Each had memorized the spell. Each began to recite it. They didn't know what it would do but they trusted their commander. The spell felt weird. The words were hard to form at first, like their mouths and vocal cords were rebelling against it. The more they recited the words, the easier it became, until the chant flowed from their lips whether they wanted it to or not. Kaya was the first to finish the spell, and felt a surge of energy in her body that dispelled the exhaustion. She was elated as the magic invigorated her, and she prepared to lead a new charge against the Neverborn. It was only a brief moment before it all came crashing down around her. Within a heartbeat, the burning feeling returned throughout her body. Exhausted pain turned into something worse as she felt something wriggling inside of her. She tried to scream, but nothing save a wet gurgling sound came out. It felt like a thousand serpents were slithering in her flesh just beneath the skin. She clawed at her skin hard enough to leave deep gashes in a vain attempt to free the thing inside of her, to no avail. It was a mercy when the Ronin's body exploded outwards, as the monster inside manifested fully. An ancient abomination of reanimated fat and muscle. Rusted chains pulled the creature's face tight. A gash from shoulder to belly had once been stapled closed, but now hung open to reveal the beast's foul innards. In one hand, the creature held a cruel hook and chain spotted with rust, and in the other it wielded a meat cleaver, nicked and stained with the blood of countless victims. 
The beast lifted its hands towards the sky, the remnants of Kaya's body sloughing off its arms in the process. It tasted the blood in the air, savoring the carnage of the battle raging around it, adding its roar to the cacophony. Killjoy had arrived. A deadly silence fell over the conflict as the never-born abomination bellowed. Human and fey, living and dead, all turned their attention to the creature. Some, upon seeing Killjoy, immediately began to pull back. Others watched anxiously to see what it would do. They didn't have to wait long. Killjoy swung one of his meaty hands and sent the rusty hook flying through the air. The weapon dug into the shoulder of a nearby fay. The Neverborn gave a yelp of pain as he was yanked into the razor-grasped Killjoy's feet. His pain didn't last for long, as Killjoy's foot came down on the warrior's head with a sickening, wet squish. Men and monsters scattered. Cries of fear and orders to pull back filled the air, as combatants that had been at one another's throats a moment before now took the fastest route away from the beast that had been summoned. Killjoy relished the slaughter. His hook swung again and again, each time catching hold of a new victim and dragging them back beneath his feet as he charged through the offal. Every powerful step sent ripples through the beast's fat and shook off some blood from its previous victims, only to be replaced by a fresh layer of gore. The abomination swung his cleaver about in wide arcs, each one catching two or three victims at a time, with the strength to tear through each with ease. The mercenaries quickly learned to keep a large distance from the monster. Although he was hunting the Neverborn, it was clear that he had no care for who or what was in his way. The wide-sweeping arcs of hook and blade risked catching Cuman as readily as Fay. Get the hell out of here, Big Jake shouted, as he placed himself between Killjoy and a mixed group of Ronin and Fay that were pulling their injured from the Abomination's path. The monstrosity stopped dead in its tracks, and looked down curiously at the man foolish enough to put himself in the way. Jake was unfazed by the monster before him, and met the creature's gaze, stone-faced and resolute. I will not see you slaughtering everything in your path, creature. Control your strikes, or I will stop you. Move, Killjoy said, its voice raspy and malicious. The word brought with it the stench of the creature's breath, damp, hot, and fetid. Jake's eyes watered, but he remained where he stood. Hooks and chains pulled at Killjoy's face as the abomination tilted its head and raised its cleaver into the air. When Jake didn't move, Killjoy stepped forward. Before the abomination could strike, Jake's tomahawk slid into the fat and muscle of Killjoy's gut. The beast howled, though no one could tell if it was in pain or delight. Killjoy's lips pulled into a nauseating grin when it felt Jake tried to pull his tomahawk back. The weapon was lodged firmly in the creature's belly. Killjoy looked down at Jake, watched the dawning horror form on the human's face before he brought one of his thick fists down. The human collapsed limply to the ground, just another body to carpet Killjoy's path. Titania's wings beat the air with fast, powerful motions, 
to keep the queen out of the Victoria's reach, but only just. Her eyeless face looked down on the sisters with silent disdain. She hid her nervousness behind lips quirked with amusement as she studied how the sisters tried to fight her. The one with two swords was careful, cautious. She seemed to be watching the queen and her guard while protecting her twin. The other was like a wild animal. She was constantly moving toward Titania in an attempt to get the queen within range, and any fae that tried to stop her found itself bleeding into the earth. The Neverborn Queen found it odd that the Wilder One never once touched the pistol at her hip. Surely she knew how to use it, and certainly it would at least give her a chance of hitting a flying target. Perhaps she felt she didn't need it. Ah, the hubris of mortals. It never ceased to amaze her. The Wild Victoria screamed as she pushed one of the Autumn Guards to his knees and used him to spring into the air. Titania's ever-weeping eye sockets opened in momentary surprise. The forest, her forest, obeyed her commands with vines and branches that moved to intercept the human woman's attack. The other one, the calm one, was quick. As soon as her sister hit the ground, she was upon the vines and roots that tried to bind and choke the life from the wild one's body. Both were back to their feet within heartbeats. The attack had been unsuccessful, but it did surprise Titania into a more cautious approach. Titania smiled down at the twins, as magic danced around her fingertips. Her forest wasn't finished with the human women. Vines and roots tore out of the soil to strike at the twins. Monstrous plants, ravenous of flesh and blood, moved unnaturally. The enchanted verdure was no match for the victorious, but Titania didn't need it to be. Mortal flesh would tire eventually, while she would not. She would make them fight the entire forest if she had to. All she needed was one mistake to claim their hearts. She only regretted that it was taking them so long to succumb, a concern she wasn't willing to visibly portray. The bellow of the mercenary's beast caught Titania's attention. It had gotten close, far closer and faster than she had expected. Members of her guard that hadn't fallen to the sisters lay crushed beneath its feet or strewn about in pieces nearby. Its chest heaved as it looked upon the Neverborn Queen. The abomination had raised its meat cleaver in preparation for a strike, but something stayed its hand. Recognition burned behind Killjoy's eyes, a glimmering memory in the creature's mind of a long time ago, a time before the curse of living death. A time before its body was a bloated mass, in constant pain, yet sentenced to misery unending. Before the directionless madness and burning rage was all it had. My queen, the monster's raspy voice shuddered reverently as he fell to his knees. Arise, Titania said to the abomination, and prove your loyalty to your queen. A look of terror passed between the Victorias, when the beast they had summoned shifted its attention to them. A repulsive grin spread across its lips, where the rusty hooks permitted it, as it rose to its feet. Killjoy pulled a deep, rasping breath before it charged at the twins. The sisters dodged out of the way, but the creature was relentless. 
They twisted around and threw its hook at the twins. Victoria brought the Masamune Nihonto up to deflect the attack, only for the blade to get caught up in the beast's chain. Victoria screamed as the weapon was torn from her hands and flew into the woods behind Killjoy. She could barely see the glimmering of light off the blade beneath a tree, but she could still feel its presence. She felt empty, like her heart had been torn from her chest and thrown into the dirt. There it lay, thumping with power and purpose that belonged to her, power and purpose that she needed. Without the Masamune Nihonto, Victoria was nothing. Just another child playing at being a hero. Just another pitiful wretch for the forest to consume. Victoria stood up slowly. Her body trembled without the comforting presence of the weapon in her hand. She didn't care that Killjoy stood between her and the weapon, or that the Neverborn Queen hovered nearby. Without the sword, she was nothing. She knew that. She needed to get it back no matter the cost. Tightening her jaw, Victoria burst into a sprint. If she could just get by the grinning monstrosity, then she could grab the sword. Then everything would be all right. She didn't notice Killjoy moving until it was too late to dodge the cleaver that came down at her head. The other Victoria, however, was not so blind. She moved as fast as her legs would carry her after her sister. At the last moment, she tackled the other woman out of the way. The beast's weapon found purchase not in flesh, but in blood-soaked soil. The other Victoria used the confusion of the moment to draw her sister's pistol and pointed at Killjoy. She fanned the trigger, filling the monster with lead. Ripples of fat shivered around the points of impact, and dark blood ran in rivulets down the creature's flesh, but Killjoy was unfazed. Sue, gather those you can and retreat, Victoria shouted as she dragged her sister back. Her twin was trying to wriggle free and claw her way toward the sword. No, I need it, screamed the trembling Victoria. She had lost sight of the weapon, but she could still feel it pulsing. I'm not going to let you die for a damned sword. The other Victoria's voice broke at no room for argument or refusal, nor did the grip she placed around her sister's body as she pulled Victoria away from Killjoy, away from their ruinous campaign. Victoria struggled against her sister, as the woman pulled her farther and farther from the presence of her weapon. Slowly, she lost her strength to fight, until she was limp, dead weight in her sister's arms. In the end, Victoria could only watch as the remnants of their company fled from the battlefield. Some carried the wounded and the weak, much like her sister carried her. Others provided covering fire. The Fae didn't pursue them. Many had fled when Killjoy began his slaughter. Many more were dead, their bodies turning into beds of flowers for the Queen's garden. Titania herself watched the retreating humans and smiled. The wildlands loomed in the distance. What had originally held the promise of glory and a hefty payday now served as a reminder of the mercenaries' defeat. Those that had made it out wanted nothing more than to put distance between themselves and the accursed forest, lest it reach out and pull them back in. Most in the company were nursing wounds, and memories that would haunt them the rest of their lives, but at least they had survived. 
A pair of tents had been put up for the severely wounded, while the rest made do with a hastily constructed overhang to shade them from the relentless assault of the Badlands' sun. Of the forty and more who had entered Titania's domain, only about twenty of the mercenaries had survived to retreat. Many of those warriors died from their wounds before the company reached the edge of Titania's domain. A mere handful remained. Some weren't expected to make it through the night. How's he doing? Bishop asked, when the flap of Big Jake's tent opened. Sue answered with a shrug that he immediately regretted when pain surged through his broken shoulder. Hard to tell exactly what with the dock in the gullet of some lizard, Sue answered through gritted teeth, but he should pull through. Bishop shook his head sadly and reached for his canteen, only to find it empty. Most of their supplies had been left behind in their retreat. Few had the strength to carry much out of the forest, and those that did could only hold so much. We'll hit one of the caches left behind tomorrow. Sue handed over his canteen. Don't drink at all. Victoria sat silently and stared at the wildlands. The Masamuni Nihonto was gone, lost in the Queen's cursed forest. The siren call of the weapon had followed her long into the company's retreat. She had tried to struggle against her sister's grip, but the further she was taken from her weapon, the weaker her body seemed to become. Now she couldn't feel the weapon anymore. She knew it was still there, somewhere, but its presence had left her. The absence hurt, like an amputation hastily done and poorly mended. Everything in her body hurt from her toes on up, but most of all, her head hurt. It felt like someone was setting off explosions within her skull, timed just perfectly so she could never get used to the pain. Worse, her body was still too weak to walk without assistance. In the back of her mind, Victoria wondered if she was going to die. She couldn't remember the last time she feared the prospect of dying. She couldn't even remember the last time she considered it a possibility. So many had died on her crusade. What was one more? How many? she asked. Even her own voice set off a surge of pain that spread through her head and down her body. Her sister looked up from where she was cleaning her twin blades. Nine, including us. The other Victoria didn't include the three in the tents. If they made it through the night, it'd be a miracle. She briefly considered mentioning them to her sister, but the tortured look on Victoria's face kept it as just a consideration. We'll give them all funerals when we return. It will take time, but we'll ensure their next of kin is set as well. I'm sorry. Victoria's voice was parched and pained with more than just the ailments of the flesh. The sword. It was controlling me. She paused and shook her head. No, I don't think it was controlling me. Influencing, yes, she corrected herself. I can't figure out how long ago it started. I can't tell where my thoughts ended and the sword's whispers began. That wasn't you back there. If you were in your right mind, then you would never have killed our own people. The other Victoria's voice was firm and matter-of-fact, but with a gentleness to it as well. 
She reached out to take her sister's hand and squeezed. Whatever your thoughts are going forward, they're yours and yours alone. We'll return to Malifaux and rebuild once you've recovered. No. Without the Masamune Nihonto, I am nothing, Victoria muttered. Her attention began drifting back to the wildlands, only to snap back as a disappointed growl came from her sister. You are Victoria. The other Victoria's voice rose, not in anger, but in something else, something the mercenary couldn't quite place. A sword cannot wield itself, cursed or not. Without you, that weapon was nothing. It may have helped, but it was your effort, your blood, sweat and tears that made you who you are. The other Victoria paused to lean forward, until her face was mere inches from her sister. Even so close, Victoria could barely hear her twin when she spoke. If you were any less, things would have turned out very differently that first day, she said. Her eyes, seen only by Victoria, took on a look of something inhuman. A brief fleeting moment before the other Victoria leaned back and smiled. Her expression warmed, and she squeezed her sister's hand again. If you still think you're nothing without that sword after you recover, then I will ride your ass until you're better without it than you were with it. Victoria could only stare at her sister in silence for several long minutes. She felt a pang of guilt as she remembered their arguments, and the things she'd said. When she opened her mouth again to apologize, the other Victoria simply shook her head and smiled. The silence continued until the sun dipped below the horizon. Should we go back for the blade after we've recovered? Victoria finally asked. She could feel her sister tense up at the suggestion. In truth, so did she. She still wanted the weapon at her side. The sense of worthlessness without it still ate at her mind, even if her sister's words had helped. She hated the feeling but hated the sword even more for causing it. Couldn't help but overhear, but, you know. Sue's voice interrupted the Victoria's thoughts. Most people that escape their shackles aren't keen to rush back into imprisonment. The sisters looked to Sue, and then to one another for a moment, before they nodded in unison. It would be foolish to storm into Titania's domain again, one Victoria began, only for her sister to finish. Tell the others to get some rest. We're going to break camp in a few hours. We'll carry the injured out of here, even if it kills the rest of us. If we move quickly, we may be able to save those we have left. The members of Titania's court looked at the scene before them with bated breath. Most had been present for the battle. Others had heard about what transpired. None of them knew what to expect from the monstrous creature that had rampaged through their numbers before turning on its human allies. Titania herself was curious rather than concerned about the creature that knelt before her throne. Even on its knees, the monstrosity towered over the Neverborn Queen. Many a turn has it been since I've seen your kind, the Queen coldly stated. Killjoy looked upon Titania with respect, confusion, 
and no small amount of fear. Seeing her brought the monster's memories trickling back into his mind. Memories of ancient times when he fought on Titania's behalf. Of times when the others, fearful of the Queen's pact, turned upon her and her supporters. Of being gifted the curse of undeath, and then pain, madness, and rage. I was caged, a prisoner, Killjoy tried to explain to the woman seated upon her throne. Although the Queen's face showed no emotion, he could still feel the scrutiny with which she judged him. But now I am yours, and yours alone. Titania finally smiled. Her expression was cold and cruel, fanning the hopes of those in her court ready to see Killjoy's execution. Of course, the Autumn Queen spoke, and the room breathed again. Some were disappointed that the beast who had so indiscriminately killed so many of them wouldn't be punished, but none dared to speak their objections. Even Killjoy remained quiet as he rose, and moved to join the rest of the gathered Neverborn. Ashlyn, what is it that you have brought to me? Titania turned her attention to her Drew as she came forward. A blanket of writhing vines followed behind her, atop which sat a fey corpse, and within its grasp a familiar sword. The blade of the invaders, my queen, Ashlyn answered, as she turned and motioned to the weapon. The vines folded at her command to break the arms off of the corpse and lift them and the weapon up, to provide Titania with a better view. Anyone who takes it up is overcome with bloodlust. She hesitated. Toward you, my queen. This one fought against its power until it was too much to bear. The Neverborn Queen leaned forward on her throne to gaze upon the weapon. She furrowed her brow for a moment, before her eyeless sockets widened. The Queen's surprise passed quickly, replaced with a look of amusement and delight. She recognized the soul trapped in the blade's wicked steel. This is quite the prize you have brought me. Shazul. She nearly smiled. Hello again. How are you, now that you are unable to do anything but influence those too blind to see your prison? There was a sadistic joy in Titania's voice. The queen motioned with one hand, bringing roots from beneath the soil up and around the blade. The roots drew the weapon, and the arms encased around it, beneath the ground. The gathered fae assumed that was the end of the tyrant's prison, that Titania would hide the blade away somewhere that it couldn't be found, forever banished from the land of the living. But the queen had other ideas. A small tree grew up from the ground next to Titania's throne. Held within its thorny branches was the Masamune Nihonto, displayed as the queen's trophy. My queen, is it really wise to have such a thing so close to you? Ashlyn questioned. Her weeping eye sockets watched the weapon carefully, unsure if it was truly powerless without a host to wield it. Titania smiled at her courtier's concern, but waved it away. 
let all know that I do not fear the tyrants. Not before, when they sat at the height of their power, nor now in the shadow of their former selves. Titania's answer was firm and resolute. It was as much a show of her conviction to the gathered Neverborn as the act of bringing the weapon to her side had been. Ashlyn bowed to her queen before she withdrew to the rest of the crowd. It wasn't until the creature's stench hit her nose that the queen's drew realized she'd withdrawn within proximity to Killjoy. The monster's chain-stretched lips were drawn into a wide grin. That's it for another episode of the Breachside Broadcast. Join us next time for more Tales of Malifaux.